Welcome to the AF Mentors podcast. This is for coaches who care about impact and are ready to be pushed outside their comfort zone and into growth. You can find out more about AF Mentors at afmentors.com. Hello and welcome to this episode of the AF Mentors podcast. Today I have two incredible coaches with me, Danny and Shah. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much for your time. Okay, so what I want to start with is both of your backgrounds. So Shah, let's start with you. Just what you, what's your journey as a coach coming to this point? And then we'll go through Danny's and then why you came together. Okay, so I basically got into the fitness industry full stop through bodybuilding um, in like 2013, 2014. Um, off the back of sort of getting into bodybuilding and more extreme fitness from the get-go, I became a personal trainer in a pure gym. Um, <clears throat> and I was struggling to kind of find my feet as to how I could connect with general population clients when I was living such an extreme lifestyle it seemed a little bit incongruent but I knew fitness was the direction that I wanted to go down um several things happened fell out of love with competing I'm sure we'll touch on that at some point um and that part of my life became a little bit more dormant um I then started working in a studio-based setting and I was really able to kind of niche down on my clients a little bit more I actually started doing sort of transformation style coaching when I was in the studio setting, which is so different to what I do now, but um, I don't kind of regret any part of my journey because it enabled me to become the coach I am now and see the pitfalls of different types of coaching as well. Um, And then lockdown hit, um, obviously like many of us, a lot of my business then transitioned online. Um, And in kind of that lockdown space, I was really able to grow my online business, move the majority over there. I did come back to -to one-to-one personal training um, after lockdown, but that was on a very selective basis with people that I'd worked with for a long time um, that I really just enjoyed working with. Um, And as of early last year, I phased that out and now I'm fully online. And as that kind of transition has gone since lockdown to now, my business has changed quite a lot in terms of the types of people that I work with. So through kind of my experience of competing and transformational coaching, I was really able to see that particularly with women, a lot of the time it's, as we know, it's not the end result. It's not the fat loss that actually helps them in life. It's everything else around it, particularly if they struggle, if they have struggled with their relationship with food or exercise um, through their lives. So now I specialize a lot more holistically with, um, with women in particular to allow them to live a thriving life where we can really delve into their food relationships, why they maybe struggle with food, what is going on under the surface. Um, obviously done EIQ, which has supported me a lot with that. Um, and now I'm doing more sort of therapeutic based works so that I can really get to the nitty gritty of the more psychological stuff with clients as to what is going on for them to help them make lifelong change really and support them, particularly if they've come from yo-yo dieting or extreme dieting like contest prep, um, to to really be able to kind of thrive in life again love it Danny what about you so I started as a one to one person in 2015 and I worked one-to-one with clients until the end of 2018 when I moved online so I moved online actually before the whole COVID thing happened I know a lot of people transitioned then um but when I moved online it was 
very early days for online coaching and I started to build up my online coaching base whilst I was one-to-one personal training because people I was sort of sharing a lot of what I did on social media and people started messaging me asking for my help so I sort of moved online quite naturally and at the time I think I was traveling quite a lot so it suited my lifestyle as well and I saw it as an opportunity to help people in more detail with the aspects of coaching outside of just training because obviously you guys know when you're a one-to-one personal trainer the sessions do become very training based or you end up having a really in-depth conversation with your clients but you don't get much training done so it's quite hard to coach people with nutrition and lifestyle um, stress management health and that's what I was always really passionate about and then I actually ended up kind of falling into bodybuilding because I started my body started changing as I was training and one of the other PTs actually came up to me and was like have you ever considered bodybuilding and I was like um I was I've always been quite competitive and I've come from a sporting background so I played football when I was younger um I did every sport under the sun really so when he suggested that to me I was like yeah okay another challenge (laughs) so fell into that and ended up really enjoying it like my first years of competing I learned a lot I worked with a local strength and conditioning coach who was also a lecturer at university so he taught me so much and the passion I had for bodybuilding was mainly for the learning that came with it and also the the competition aspect because I've always just been very competitive so did that for several years but the further I got into bodybuilding the more extreme it became obviously the bikini category is getting much more muscular and much much leaner as well so greater sacrifices to my health came with that and it also got to the point where like Charles I I was chasing my car and, and so it started to very much consume my entire life and that's where my relationship with it became more negative and I was actually like I'm giving literally my entire life to this what is it offering me now and I'm sacrificing so much so that was where I was like and I was also going through a bit of a relationship breakdown at the time using competing as a bit of a coping mechanism at that point so then I was like it's time to step away and I've obviously moved away from that personally I also used to coach a lot of competitors and competitors that had a lot of potential as well. And at the time, I loved it. But as my personal values changed, my professional values, I always say they came back to why I originally got into the industry. Because when I first got into the industry, I wanted to help support people achieve their body composition and performance related goals whilst improving their health and quality of life. So I've now come back to that. It's not that my values have completely changed and they were, you know, physique over health. And now they're the polar opposite of that. It's like they've come back to to what they were in the first place, kind of like fell down that extreme path. Um, And yeah, and now I help people, you know, with their goals whilst improving the health and quality of life. And me and Charles obviously help people transition through the post-show process and into life after bodybuilding because we realised that there was nowhere near enough support for that process when in reality it's much harder to navigate than a prep and there's so much more to it than a prep, so more support is needed. Um, And I've also been always very passionate about furthering my education. So I've done my sports nutrition diploma. I've done my strength and conditioning qualification um, and have always just been like really into into seminars and lectures and things like that. 
Awesome. I've got so many questions off the back of those intros. First of all, do you think, because I'm sure you've noticed this in the industry and because we've kind of all been in the industry a fair amount of time, you notice this cycle, right? Where like we've all done it as in you go a little bit too far and then you come back and you're like, oh, that was too far. Do you think, and I guess this is part of what you guys try and help people avoid. Do you think you need to go too far to come back? Or that you can get in people's head and enough and kind of show them and, and actually Danny it sounds like to me like you went through a phase of whether you were probably you weren't conscious about it at the time but like not living in line with your values but yeah you've been able to kind of identify that at the time like hey actually this is what's most important to me this is what I really care about and this is not living in line or these actions aren't in line with that and I know that's what you guys teach do you think that's possible to avoid the going too far to come too back but to come back because I know like we've been through it Amelia's been through it loads of you know like loads of coaches you kind of see yeah I competed and then I realized that was a stupid thing to do and and now I've kind of got that balance yeah Uh, I I think so I think there's arguments to be said for both because I think about this a lot I think I always have kind of reflection and think do I feel like I navigate this space well because I have been on both sides? So when you talk about that side of the extremity, <clears throat> obviously with the things that Danny and I help people navigate now, and I'm sure Danny, you've, well, you, you you will have had this type of point as well, that I've navigated a post-show really badly as well and gained a lot of weight quickly and been very uncomfortable in my body. Um, and I think it's hard because when you go through experiences and like I said before about kind of coaching journey um I'm grateful for every single part of that journey because it's given me experience and I can look back and be like you know what I know how that feels as as a coach I literally can feel the feelings that you're feeling because I have been there and I know what you're going through and I do think there is something to be said for learned experience and being able to know um where your extremities are because everybody is different right like what's too much for one person as like Danny said and I was very very similar at what point we were like right that's come too much for me now in terms of competing that's compromising too many of my values whereas somebody else that might have been fine for them or it may have been way before I gave up you know so it's knowing where your parameters are and sometimes I think you do have to test each side to know where that is can we do that and avoid being cataclysmic either side I do think yeah and I think we're in a really fortunate position now. And Danny and I touched on this on a live we did on Instagram. Um, was it last no, like night before? Um, there was nothing like this around when Danny and I were competing, when Amelia was competing. There was just no post-show support. There was no discussion about what happened after a show. It was, well, you put your weight back on and you gain muscle and then you go again. Like there was that was it. So Coming into this now, if you can be armed with this information, like 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 Danny and I providing that support, getting clear on your values and all this stuff that we probably didn't do, um, definitely not intentionally anyway. I think there's maybe safe parameters to test that water and be like, oh, I'm getting close to the edge here. This is a little bit too much for me. It's time to pull back without falling off the edge of the cliff, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it's those discussions that you have with your coach if they know what they're talking about, you know, to make sure that, and you're right. I think it's such a brilliant point that for some people competing in bodybuilding or like that extreme, whether it's competing or not, like that extreme level of dieting is actually fine for them. And for other people, it's absolutely not. And it doesn't fit in with their life. 
I was thinking about this as I was training this morning. So I was thinking about this discussion and a lot of the behaviors that I do now are the same as what I used to do when I was like very lean, but I did them for different reasons. So I did them. And I think we're going to talk about this later because I thought I had to stay in shape to be a good coach. Whereas now I do them because they make me feel good. Right. So the action probably doesn't look that different, but the intent behind it is very different. I think that's quite an important aspect as well. Yeah, I think it is possible to sort of not have to go through pushing the extremes to find your happy point, but it depends on the individual and their personality type. Like some people, I think, would just have to push those boundaries and then be like, oh, this isn't making me happy. Like this isn't making me feel good. I feel conflicted and then have to pull back. And it's funny because I had this conversation, Emma, I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast are um, coaches and personal trainers wanting to grow their business. I had this conversation with someone about pushing to a certain level of income as well, and how some people will have to push to a point where their, their workload is so high, it actually makes them unhappy to then want to scale back and be like, actually, I was happier when I was earning less and when I was doing less. So we had that same conversation the other day, me and someone else about that. And I think for some people, they will also have to push the boundaries from a business perspective to then realize that they were happier earning less money and having more free time or being able to, you know, care for their family, whatever it might be. So it's funny. I think some personality types, they will have to push those boundaries to learn. But I think with the right guidance, a lot of people would be able to um, live you know their life in line with their values without having to to compromise them and and get to that point where you know we might have been where I certainly was where I lost a lot of myself um yeah because it takes a lot of it takes a lot of like crawling back from when you get there as well because it doesn't come without sacrifices sacrificing your values like obviously from a health perspective when it comes to pushing the extremes but also you just feel them very lost when you then try and come back to your values because you're like okay what are they <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah, yeah. And that's- sorry I was just gonna say I think that's impossible to do like it's impossible to live in line with your values unless you're checking in with yourself and unless you know what they are and you're asking yourself these things and it's interesting because we will judge people on their actions right and there's all this like quotes that go around like don't judge people on what they say judge them on what they do because that's what they really mean and it's like you hold those standards to other people but you don't hold them to yourself like I certainly don't always act in line with my values like I try to but then I check in with myself frequently I certainly didn't before I like started journaling in the last couple of years like I certainly wasn't always acting in line with my values and I would say that's 99% of the population so if you're now judging people based on their actions like that's like I mean it's an unfair like level to hold other people to if you're not holding that level to yourself and I think the money thing is very interesting because I think a lot of people for example I'm sure you've noticed this with people who earn a lot of money they'll say that money isn't important but I never hear anyone who doesn't earn a lot of money say that like genuinely say that money is important it's like you need to have got there and realized oh shit nothing changes same with like oh look I always thought I really wanted abs and then I realized once I got them my life was exactly the same yeah. but under my clothes I had some abs and it's same like money you're like oh all these amazing things I did and you're like oh actually I earned 10 times more and almost nothing has changed yeah yeah kind of like take the pressure off those goals yeah and it's that realistic like, like <clears throat> you say expectation of like what do you think is going to happen at the end which is obviously 
<clears throat> discussions, sorry, my throat. <clears> throat> there we go. Um, this is discussions that we'll have with like clients, obviously Danny and I, the way that we would, um, you know, talk a client through who maybe said, oh, you know, I don't know if I want to compete or whatnot. Um, you know, getting clear on their values and their intentions, because a lot of the time they think, particularly if they're a coach, well, if I compete, this is going to happen. So people are going to trust me. I'm going to be like an authority in the industry. People are going to look up to me. People are going to want to train with me. Like all of these things that think that, you know, that's what they think will get them there. Um, and it's been able to for them to unpack that a little bit more and realizing that, A, that might not necessarily happen. B, it might actually be detrimental. And C, you don't necessarily have to do that to get to that end goal um but it was interesting when you said then about your behavior it's like sometimes if you look back your behavior is quite similar but you maybe they were not as helpful as they are now in the past and that's something that I've seen with um in terms of bodybuilding so my other half still competes and I saw him go through a very very unhealthy prep last year um and he is prepping again this year, much, much healthier, doing exactly the same behaviours. But what is going on internally is different. And now that I'm overlooking his prep, um, it's just little things that a previous coach wouldn't have picked up on in terms of the behaviours look the same, but the intention was completely different. And I think that's something that we overlook a lot is that it's not necessarily what you're doing. It's your relationship with the action, um, how it makes you feel. And like Danny said, what it maybe takes from your life or if it compromises your values. But like you say, you have to be clear on what they are before you can judge that. So so one thing I have a huge amount of respect for both of you for is how you've pivoted your business, because I know that you both primarily built a business and made money from prepping clients, right? So you will have known that by saying... I'm not going to do that anymore or I'm not going to do it in the same way that I was going to do it before. And I'm changing my marketing. I'm changing my stance on a lot of things. I know personally from discussions we've had that you've had kickback about that from, I guess, judgment of others. But then also there's always the potential that that can actually negatively impact your income. So you've made a stance on what you believe in with the knowledge that actually some people won't like that. And it's probably going to cost you in terms of business, at least initially. How, yeah. like, how have you navigated that? I was quite drastic. Like I was coaching competitors at the time. And to be completely honest, it was towards the end of a competitive season. I was peaking a lot of clients at the same time. And I was literally waking up feeling anxious every single day because of the fact that I valued health massively both personally and professionally. And I was pushing people through this process that I knew was having a negative impact on their health. So every single day I was waking up feeling anxious and stressed. So I got to the point where I just knew something had to change. So once it got to the end of that season, I had a conversation with all of my competitive clients and explained to them that I wasn't going to be prepping anyone after that season had ended. Um, obviously explained why, said to them, you know, I have a great relationship with all of them still. I still message some of them on Instagram, keep up to date with them. So it was not a negative conversation, but um, I sort of kind of dropped all of them at once. So I did take a hit of like, I think it was three or four grand a month at the time. Um, that would have sort of added up over the course of the the year, the end of the year I think it was in 
October that I made that decision. So I said to them all, you know, you're welcome to leave now. I'll waive the 30 day notice that I usually have. Um, but if you want to stay on, obviously, post show initially I would love to coach you through that because it's what I what I love doing restoring health etc so some of them stayed on for a bit some of them left straight away but if you have a look over like the the clients that I lost over the course of a few months it would have added up to be a good few grand a month so I took that initial hit but I knew it was what I needed to do because like I said I felt stressed and anxious every day I felt conflicted when it came to creating content recording podcasts so I felt very stuck um, and I just knew something needed to change for me to continue to move forwards. So yes, I took an initial hit, but it made me feel, I felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders, to be completely honest. And it gave me way more clarity when it came to content creation, the advice I was giving out on a daily basis, um, the way I was coaching clients as well. Because at the time I had some people who I was coaching to improve their health and quality of life. And then I was also pushing some people to the extreme and it was just all over the place. So yeah, I took that an initial hit, but it was worth it. And it certainly, I will, I will say it's not been an easy transition because like flipping your entire message on its head it takes a while for people to get used to seeing you promote a different message and for you to sort of get yourself known as something else. So it wasn't easy. It was difficult. And it's it's taken a long time to get to the point where I feel like, you know, things are. I, I'm, I've not like got any questions about what I'm doing and I feel really clear on the message that I'm putting out. It's taken me a while to get to that point. But it's yeah it was 100% worth the decision and the initial hit. I, I mean, I think that's a good example of integrity costs money, like, and, and it's the initial cost, right? So I've always said this, like integrity is the Herbalife BMW that you didn't get, you know, like five years ago where everyone, like all personal trainers sold, well, all shit personal trainers sold Herbalife on the side and like made money doing that. Or like, for example, I mean, I don't get loads, but something I've always loved Chloe for is that she doesn't promote shit, even though daily she gets sent stuff or offered hundreds, if not thousands of pounds per post to promote crap on Instagram. She's like, no, but that's the cost of integrity. And like, you know, people talk about like the cost of X, but it's interesting that you can actually put a financial cost on that. Like for you at that time, in integrity cost you three to four grand a month. Yeah. Like it's, it, yeah, it's interesting. What was your experience, Char? Um, so similar, but not as drastic in the sense of pivoting my messaging. But for me, there was kind of, I do still like bodybuilding and I can still respect the physique side of it. I know Danny can as well. Like, I'm not saying that's polar. Um, I still enjoy it. Um, and I think similarly to what I spoke about at Level Up, my kind of thing was, okay, I'm on this line here. I can either step over it and say, no, come on, right. I'm out the other side of that now and I'll help people when they're finished. Or I noticed that there's ways that it can be done better, but a client to maybe still get what they want out of it. So differently to Danny, I Danny had a lot of competitors with a lot of potential who would be winning world championships, pro statuses, that kind of thing. You can't, I guess, really do like they they are all or nothing, right? They, they are would have been going assisted, for example. Like yeah. so so yeah, it's so different. it's a different conversation. But with the clients that I work with, don't get me wrong, they do well, they win shows, they you know, they place very consistently, but 
if I was to have a client who was like, right, I'm going to go all the way, I would hand them over to a more extreme prep coach because I'm not willing to do that side of things. Um, but I did recognize that with the people that I tend to work with, with shows, um, there's a way that I could do it, which kind of straddled the line a little bit, which didn't have to go either way. Um, and so I wanted to lead into that a little bit and see what we could do. And that's actually been quite successful. Well, very successful. Um, and for me, that kind of congruence that Danny was talking about, that kind of settled that for me because I was like, well, I don't feel like I have to let go. I think there's a better way to do things. And hopefully to show other people that there's a better way of doing things as well, because yeah, we've got these really high level prep coaches that are going to take those people that go, do you know what? I don't care. And I'm going to push it all the way. And I don't give two hoots about the health outcome. Fine. But there's a lot of low level prep coaches that are doing a show or becoming a PT, but then deciding they want to take someone through a show. And that, we don't shouldn't be judging on these extremities as the leader for that there's a way that you can do it but protect your client as much as possible rather than thinking that's the only route so I kind of wanted to explore that space um and for my clients that choose to compete which is a small pocket now that works well for them and I think they like that I will be honest with them I will pull them out if it is if I am recognizing the red flags because that's what I am looking for um as first and foremost and when they go through the post-show process, it's often a hell of a lot more smooth because we've not dug the hole as deep by any means. So that was kind of my experience of I knew something had to change, but I didn't go as extreme as Danny and was like, okay, can we navigate this space a little bit more? Um, what I will say about the cost of integrity though, and this is something that I've definitely experienced as well, um, coming from that more like transformational style and um, the coaches I was surrounded with at the time were very like, you know, 10 week challenges this you know get people in use the photos sell them get the next round in you know that kind of style of, of coaching and I would put pictures out use myself as marketing probably from a show or when I was very lean get people on this challenge and then I was thinking this, this is not okay like this is not right for me like you know it's not fair and I, I, that incongruence was like this is just not okay it doesn't make like, allow me to sleep at night to sell my leanness version of myself when I wasn't healthy to, for vulnerable people to get them onto this challenge and not worry about them after um and that for me was where my kind of breakaway from that came from and I was like I'm not doing that anymore if I'm going to do something like that it's going to be full clarity health focus as much as possible um and then coaching outside of that is very very holistic um and I think we've had conversations about this before Emma that like it's frustrating because you look on social media and you see people doing that, making a lot of money, and that's the nature of social media. But do you know what? I'd rather sleep at night than be selling people the dream, ruining their health, um, just to get a load of money in my bank account. And I think you can't put a price on on being able to sleep at night and have an integrity um, because the incongruence that it causes and the feelings that it causes, like Danny said, like the anxiety and stuff, it just isn't worth it. Um, and also my one of my biggest values is is trust and impact and how can your clients trust you if you know you you're more focused on the financial gain um mm. but it does cost because I think we all know that if we you know used our body to sell a service lied to people and said yeah yeah I can get you great results in 10 weeks or whatever we'd all make a shed ton of money right but that's not what it's about and it's yeah what... and it's and it's often the short-term money right like you see a lot of these things and it's like people don't think about like to get like businessy, like the lifetime value of a client, 
right so like yeah sure they'll come for your 10-week program but it was shit so they're never coming back whereas if you can offer really good service those clients might stay for years so there's like the short-term mindset around that and then the other thing that I wanted to to discuss further what was it there was two things there Emma have you also seen the documentary by Zara McDermott mcdermott on i watched it danny after you told me about that yeah Yeah, so that really sort of like for me as well just reminded me why i don't want to like ever use my body body heavily to sort of market my service anymore or like i would never want to go back to my prep pictures and use those to market my service because it basically on the documentary she's she spoke to a lot of people who have eating disorders and they sort of explained their journeys and how social media played a, a large part in them developing their eating disorders because they were seeing people almost like people who were similarly to doing what me and Charlie used to do, going through prep, documenting their journey, going through this process of getting extremely lean. And that sort of triggered some of these behaviours in these people who don't compete. And that led to them eventually developing these eating disorders. Um, and they just you know, they showed some examples of the type of content that would exacerbate those issues. And like being completely honest, I would look back at my prep content and think that would be triggering for someone with an eating disorder, 100%, mm-hmm. or someone who had disordered eating tendencies and was likely to fall into that trap. They would 100% be triggered by my content. And if you didn't really know much about bodybuilding, um, you'd probably look back and, and think that I did have an eating disorder. I didn't it was bodybuilding but it's a very similar process it can that's the intent side right like a lot of the time actually brothers do have an eating disorder but they mask it with bodybuilding other times it's like they don't but yeah the behavior age and disordered behaviors to to do it so yeah so that was quite it's quite an eye-opening documentary like anyone listening to this 100% would recommend watching it if you're in the fitness industry because it's just quite eye-opening and it gets you to see things from a different perspective um and maybe challenge some of the content that you're putting out and at the end of the day as well like if a coach attaches their business to their external appearance that has a shelf life right you know there's going to be times where I don't know we go through illness injury pregnancy um whatever it is yeah get old that mean our bodies (laughs) is going to change and if you you've attached your business to your body like what happens then Mm-hmm. yeah and then that's why so many coaches have really poor body image right because they're like yeah. my self-worth is based on this and when you lose that I guess the the flip side of that and I've not watched this documentary yet and I'm always very aware I'm like realistically any of my messaging seen by someone on the edge of an eating disorder will be dangerous same with probably a lot of your guys as well like anything you mentioned about fat loss weight loss changing your diet like really almost anything could could trigger that and then you like, and I've been through phases of this where I'm like, God, like what, what can I say? Can I use the word diet? Should I be saying restriction? Like, and sometimes when you get too focused into that and yeah. forget that your message isn't for those people. Now, unfortunately on social media, you can't say don't show to someone who's struggling with an eating disorder, but like my messaging, like I am a fat loss coach at the end of the day, like my messaging isn't for people who are at that extreme, but unfortunately some people will see it. And there's a there's obviously a line here and you want to be as like careful as possible but if I said I mean I would just say nothing if I didn't want to hurt anyone so there's there's that line to toe as well of like okay 
this could certainly be triggering, but I also know it would help 99% of my potential clients. And I find that that's quite hard to sit with, but. It's the transparency though, isn't it? So I think like that I went through a phase of this as well. And I think, I think we've spoken about it of like, what, what, what do I post? You know, if I, you know, who, you have to focus on who you're trying to talk to. But it's the transparency of your messaging, I think, is what's important. So you like if you went onto your profile, like you are a fat loss coach. That is your messaging. And that message is correct for those people who need your support. Um, For me, and probably like me and Danny have spoken about this as well. It's the overlap of the transparency and the mixed messaging, particularly in the bodybuilding and extreme physique industry. So. I can think of a pivot point of where this changed for me. And it's from one that I still coach now after three years. And I put a picture up from the day after a show in Alicante. I was very, very lean, very unhealthy. Um, And she messaged me and said, I want to look like you. Can you coach me? And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Mm. Because it's like your goals. And I was like, I'm not goals. You should see my life. I was engaged at the time that that broke down. like I was horrendously unhealthy and I was like this isn't transparent like how how can I be like yeah of course no worries we'll get you looking like this like um and we spoke about that the other day on a on a call and she said you know imagine if I'd have just done what she wanted and what position she'd be and now she's got like a fantastic relationship with food and we're doing more like life coaching style stuff um but it's that level of transparency I think and it's fine if your messaging is like this is for these people and it's right for them but what particularly we see in the bodybuilding industry which has now pretty mainstream by the way so you're getting like bodybuilding or girls particularly that will bodybuild and or compete and they're like I help women with relationship with food because I put them on a meal plan or whatever that is and it's that mixed messaging that's problematic where it's like you you need to know what you what your skill set is and who it helps and don't try and apply those things to other people like treating clients as bodybuilders you know Janet comes to you and wants to lose some body fat to run around with her kids and her grandkids and you, you're treating her like a bodybuilder and putting her in the gym five times a week and putting her on a meal plan or you know it's these things that become problematic so yeah I think there is a level of we need to be careful what we say but making sure the message is transparent to who we're trying to help and then there is an element of the other side when we're consuming social media you have a responsibility to um keep it contextual as to what you're consuming and who that message is aimed for the problem comes when coaches don't really know themselves and aren't clear on their messaging I agree with what you were saying Emma in that like it's important not to overanalyze everything but I think with that it's just important to take into account your target audience so for example your target audience they want to pursue fat loss like you will promote different messaging to what me and Charlie will promote because the people who are going through who are attracted to bodybuilding the people who me and Charlie help out the other side they are probably more prone to disordered eating and eating disorders so we maybe need to be a bit more careful than what you might because with the, we're speaking to different people. And I think it's just important to think about the message that you're trying to promote and the people that need your help and what's going to be useful for them and what's going to potentially cause harm for them. I think what's hard as well is like from the consumer side, especially if you're on the spectrum of an eating disorder, you're so attracted to fat loss messaging. Yeah. You're going to go out your way to look for it. So as much as I'm like, well, that's not who I'm targeting, like, I kind of know that there will be that element of like contribution to that. And actually, as you were talking about 
transformation photos and things I had a discussion with one of the coaches on AFM and I was like why is it like I didn't push anyone either way but I was like why is it you don't use transformation photos and he was talking about how he was a client and did a transformation with quite a well-known coach and he was using his transformation photos and he was like I was bulimic at the time like that was a really tough time you know like that's yeah that's how I got to that. So he was like, you can't use those photos. And he was like, we don't care. Like basically just was like, no, we're using these photos. And he was like, that's why I can never do it again. Cause people don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And I was like, wow, that's, and again, it, that costs him a lot in terms of his business, but that's also why I respect him so much. Cause he's so like, no, I won't do it because of this experience. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and you know what is that's, that's so crap right because there are people that are doing that and that's so unethical and awful that it it does limit the space that you can then it kind of tars everything which is a massive shame because we've had this discussion right about my marketing is that like if I'm trying to and again we know if we get clients that are like but I really really care about my my body composition still but I need to go through this phase of repairing my relationship with food and how do you say just I just promise you that in a year or two years time once you've sorted this out I promise you it'll have a good relation you know a good not going to affect your body composition as a byproduct over time how do you sell that messaging without them being like well show me that <laughs> you know it's like someone uh, said to me um why don't you there was they said to me you know you look great from a physique perspective at the moment why don't you share more of that to show people they said why don't you post a transformation to show people that you know you don't have to put on loads of body fat when you come away from competing and I said I'm happy to show bits of my physique like for example I have training videos on my you can see what my physique looks like do you know what I mean you can see what I what my body composition is however I think posting um, a transformation picture of me in the past to me now I think they encourage comparison in themselves because when you post a, a comparison, someone is probably going to look at that and then start to compare themselves to that or to themselves in the past. And it's not always helpful, especially if someone's going through a post-diet or post-show process and they're having to go through this process of gaining body fat. It's I don't think it's it's always helpful to promote that and to show like yeah I know it's important to show people that you don't have to you know throw the towel in with your body composition you don't have to gain loads of body fat after coming away from competing but you do have to go through a period of being very uncomfortable and I think it's easy for people to be very impatient as they go through that process and I think posting a, a transformation isn't always helpful just because it it encourages comparison in other people mm. and it, it's hard right because you know that I and I agree with everything and then I think of certain clients I'm like yeah yeah, yeah that'll be applicable to them but then I think of other clients and I think she's so freaking proud of her hypertrophy progress and she's yeah. like incredible like I want to show this and that's one that I've used the other day was I was showing a client's progress on Instagram I thought no I'm going to post it because you know what she's done great work I know behind it that everything I, I would not post something that and I know like if it was that you know um anything behind the scenes had been had been unethical she's so proud of that and I was like do you know what like I can't do her a disservice to the fact that she's freaking proud of it and she was like look at this and I'm yeah. like I'm not posting that because it might offend you know whereas it's kind of like no no this is this is great for her and I think the message that I try and 
send as well and I discuss with clients a lot is knowing what's right for your journey and I could say that about anything right because I have a client that's like oh well I really need to lose body fat from my health and then if I'm posting somebody else putting body fat on that's not related to them so it's it's knowing what's right for the individual but also like some people are so so proud of their actual physical progress it's not it doesn't underpin everything you know what yeah. like it's one small part of this wider journey but they're still freaking proud of it and it's still something that we can go yeah that's cool if you're you know if that's a positive step for you because you've uh, built some tissue or whatever great it's the story behind the progress photo and I guess what you were coming back to like coming back to what you were saying like how do you almost sell someone relationship with food when they're like no I just want to get lean yeah. well when you're you like actually know that's necessary for you to get lean and yeah. stay there but <laughs> <laughs> seeing like hey these are five of my clients and this is what they look like now and that's because we worked on their relationship with food doesn't necessarily have to be a transformation but just like look how awesome they look that's not from eight weeks of restriction that's from actually working out why they overeat and dealing with those issues and figuring out why they rely on food to or like how they're thinking about food and everything that goes into relationship with food which actually comes on to my next question because often I will run things by my flatmate because he's not in the fitness industry at all and we talk quite a lot about relationship with food and like he's hung out with Amelia and I so he like will mention that all the time when we're talking about things and we were walking the other day and he was like what are you like what does that even mean relationship with food and I was like that's a very good question actually like so to you guys like what does that mean because obviously you speak about that a lot you speak out with your clients a lot if you were saying to someone like oh we need to work on your relationship with food first like that's a huge kind of catch-all term right on a practical level what does that mean? And then further to that, what does that actually look like? Because I know we're going to kind of come back to what you guys have created. But from a coaching perspective, if I was a new coach and I was like, well, realistically, all I know is meal plans and dieting. And, and like when you say relationship with food, I'm like, I kind of get a gist of what you're talking about. But what does that look like if I'm trying to help my client with relationship with food? Yeah, I think it's how you how you view and interact with food and how much of an impact food has on your daily life. So if someone has a poor relationship with food, that will often interfere with their ability to go about their day, to live their life. That is how you know someone has quite a bad relationship with food. Their thoughts will be consumed by food and it will, like I said, interfere with their ability to go about their day. Whereas someone who has a good relationship with food they might have some thoughts around food. They might make conscious decisions around food in order to achieve a certain goal, but it doesn't consume their all of their brain space. And, um, you know, dis- a decision around food wouldn't make them change how they go about their day. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, that's how like, I would put it. Yeah, everything everything Danny said and yeah that food has some kind of negative impact elsewhere in their life that it's not just confined to to the food itself it impacts their ability to show up how they want to to focus to you know build build relationships to all of these things to actually it filters into areas of life that are important for them and stops them from showing up how they want to show up and has a negative impact on their life and like we say it's not necessarily a specific behavior it's more 
your intention behind or your relationship with the behavior so say for example um again i'll come back to, to my partner because it's right in front of me all the time um i when i was um you know prepping every single meal putting it in a tupperware like all of those things that for me was a really i had a really poor relationship with food and if i couldn't eat out of that Tupperware that I knew what I was eating I would freak out and I'd have like palpitations because I'd be like I don't know what's in it what can I eat you know all of those things whereas he does that and is absolutely fine and there's no issue with it and if he needs to switch something out cool he has a good relationship with food but the behavior from the outside looks the same so it's how the behavior um has an impact on your life and your relationship (laughs) your relationship with food um yeah the negative impact elsewhere from just the food decisions that you're making I guess that like as an example for people who don't prep it could be something like hey I'm meant to go out for a meal this evening if I cancel because I'm worried that there might be too many calories or I'm just a bit stressed about what like maybe I'll drink too many drinks or something like that that would be a poor relationship with food if I cancel because I'm like I actually just don't really want to go that's different right so it's like the re- the, the rationale behind why you're doing things matters so much more so from like a practical coaching standpoint, what does working on someone's relationship with food look like? Making sure, so in our, me and Charlie ran an event um, a couple of months ago and in that I spoke about what a good relationship with food looks like. And one thing it's really important to recognize is that having a good relationship with food doesn't mean that you will never ever have struggles. It doesn't mean that you'll never have, you know, thoughts that you might have to deal with. We're human at the end of the day. And it's important to recognize that because if you think that it looks like perfection and then you don't achieve that, you'll be so much more likely to engage in self-sabotaging behaviors um self-depreciating behaviors because you view yourself as a failure for example so it's important to recognize that a good relationship with food doesn't equate to perfection um however it looks like not having any food rules that if you were to break those rules it would cause you stress so for example you might have guidelines that you follow in order to achieve certain goals but if breaking you know those guidelines one day on one off occasion would cause you stress that's probably an indication that you've got a bit of a uh, a bit of work to do from a relationship with food perspective it looks like not judging yourself for the decisions you make around food not planning your entire days around your meals um not feeling completely out of control around food which is often sort of displayed in uh, binge eating for example they find that they have a complete lo- lack of control around food um and yeah no no sort of individual foods or food groups off limits as well mm-hmm. yeah I think from like a very broad standpoint it's often the difference between the mindset of I get to do this or I'm choosing to do this because it's in line with my goals or I have to do this yes and then it causes me stress if I don't yeah yeah where life is not governed by by food, the food and exercise that like you can talk about as you know, they often play hand hand in hand and have contribution to each other on your whole life, um, on the center point of your life. They are a part of your life and everything else has value rather than them governing the decisions you make in other areas of your life and having a negative impact. I think how it looks in practice in terms of a client is going to, like we say, it depends. It always depends because 
it depends on their relationship with the behaviors that they're undertaking so we wouldn't like we can say like this is what a great relationship with food looks like and this is maybe what a poor relationship with food looks like but it's going to completely depend when they come to us and say okay I'm in this position this is what I'm struggling with as to how we unpick that because there may be certain behaviors that actually aren't having a negative impact on their life at all it's going to depend on how that's showing up for them um so yeah say for example if you know they are overeating okay where's that coming from where's that being created from looking back into that maybe it's over restricting maybe it is like Danny said having certain food groups or certain foods that they've never allowed themselves you know often it stems back really far like well my mum never let you know let us have biscuits and every time we have biscuits in the house we always eat the whole packet you know it's how it shows up for that specific client so it always kind of depends on how we then work through it practically will be, you know, what is what is negatively impacting their life most. And that's where we we'd start. Yeah. Because like, okay. dis- what's this? Uh, sorry, just to mention it, like something like tracking for one person that could be problematic. Mm-hmm. But for someone else, it could improve their relationship with food. For someone who thinks that they can never consume chocolate tracking might improve their relationship with food because it it allows them to consume chocolate in moderation and they realize oh shit like nothing bad happens if I eat chocolate whereas for someone else tracking could cause impairments in their relationship with food and it and it changes over time right like I'm coaching somebody at the moment who's also a coach and she you know found tracking and was like oh this is amazing like and then it went a little bit too far and now she's like I have to track it whatever I can't track like what you know and then now she's out the other side of that I'm like cool right now this is a little bit going on the edge of disordered whereas at one point in life it was the freedom tool right so it's actually being able to recognize that that it's also fluid and being able to be self-aware enough of when red flags are starting to come up and being like okay cool right this is now not very healthy for me so we maybe need to change that um it's never fixed it's you know it's yeah we have so like Neil and I have this discussion and I think it's partly because we share a lot of followers right so there'll be people that follow her and she'll she might say on the same day the exact opposite message as what I'm saying but it's right for her audience and it's not necessarily that we disagree it's just right for the right people right so then we'll get the same people asking the same question in our question boxes to see what we both say and what's interesting is like for my demographic say for the EC method for most people tracking is so freeing and they're like, Oh my God, I can eat bread. Like I can eat chocolate. I can eat these things. And actually it's just sticking to my cap. Like this, this is amazing. Like, and they report so much. Like the biggest feedback we get is my relationship with food is completely different. Right. So, and as you said, like that is relationship with food work, but on the other end of the spectrum, which is more the type of clients that Amelia works with, they tend to have gone a little bit too far with the tracking. And now it's like, I can't eat anything unless I know exactly what calories are in it. And if it's not on my app, I'm not even going to bother eating it. That's obviously the other end of the spectrum. But it's it, yeah, it's interesting. It's just, again, one size does not fit all and it will change depending on the person. And I guess that's where coaching comes in and actually delving into, hey, why are you doing this behavior? How does it actually make you feel? Is it serving you now or do we need to take a different approach? Exactly. And I think this is like the nuances, right, that we have to recognize that as coaches, that it's nothing really in the industry is black or white. It's not binary. It's it's all nuanced. And you have to take an individualized approach with a client and think broader than just application of a method. Um, And this is something that I I think a lot of um, definitely in the physique industry, pushback. Can we talk about like relationship with food and things? And um, 
I know we we spoke about this that somebody had done a podcast that was aimed at, at me in terms of oh people saying food relationships just take a pause before you meet all of that kind of thing and kind of mocking it um and being like you know everybody's demonizing tracking and I was like well nobody's demonizing anything right but being able part of the role of a coach is to be able to recognize the nuance and being able to recognize that for one person that is a positive thing and for another person it might not be um and and that's really really important because it stops you from applying a method to a client that could worsen the relationship with food you need to be able to recognize that and recognize when like you say it's now getting a little bit too far or if it is still positive great don't don't change it then you don't have to make it any more complicated than it needs to be yeah agreed okay I have one more question and then I want to get on to the exciting part which is what you guys have created so this comes up quite a lot with the coaches that I work with and it's essentially like what what do you do when a client comes to you with a fat loss goal but you don't think it's the right goal for them like how do you approach that and how does that conversation go um for me I would get them to start with their values I know we spoke about that a lot already but if we if I don't think it's right for them there's going to be something that's incongruent somewhere whether it's from a health perspective which is more more an obvious conversation or a relationship with food perspective um getting them to see that is the harder thing because obviously they are going to be quite driven by the goal or the outcome that they think the goal will give them. So say, for example, um, I had someone come to me who had lost their cycle, for example, and they really wanted to carry on losing weight. Then we need to come back to what is important to to them at the time and also being able to see like the broader perspective. And sometimes it comes down to a bit of education as well in terms of, okay, if if the reason that it's not right for them, it's going to be something to do with their relationship with food, their relationship with their body image or their overall health, right? So getting them to see the wider lens of how pursuing a fat loss goal may be more detrimental to those areas and also the long-term of that as well, right? Because if we, for example, if they are pursuing a fat loss goal um, to continue restricting so that they don't have to face up to their disordered food relationships, for example, getting them to recognize the the cyclical behavior of that and actually kicking the can down the road. At some point, we're going to have to do that. Um, You know, rather than putting the Band-Aid on, we can take it off. We can deal with it now. We can look at the future, you know, and and look at it as a bigger picture. Um, But I would always get them to underline their values and what's important to them because then we can actually recognize how those show up in their life. And actually, if this goal is congruent with what they want, long term um you know it not many people are gonna be like I completely don't value my health but actually getting them to recognize how that might be incongruent to their health I think is important so it would depend on why it's not right for them um and being able to ensure that they understand that from an education perspective and also how how that shows up in their life day to day and how that's going to negatively potentially impact them long term I was going to say it definitely depends why like why why it's not right for them but I think one approach that I commonly use is I'll say look right we're going to go through this phase first we will come to fat loss but we need to set you up for a successful fat loss phase first Mm -hmm. and sometimes you'll take clients through that phase where you're setting them up for a successful fat loss phase and they'll realize they'll start to trust you first of all and then they'll realize that actually they don't need to pursue fat loss 
and they'll feel their body image will improve their self-confidence will improve their health their fitness their performance and I'll be like oh like I don't need fat loss anymore so sometimes I think using the phrase like we'll come to that we'll come to fat loss but I need to set you successful fat loss phase first let's prime you for that and sometimes they'll go through that priming phase and be like actually that I don't need to pursue that goal because if you think about the circumstances that potentially somebody would come to you like with a fat loss goal and if it isn't going to be right for them the t- things that I can think of would be like it's a knee-jerk reaction response right so say they're consistently overeating and they feel like their weight's doing this they feel uncomfortable in their body then they're going to be like I, j- I just need to lose fat I just need to I just need to get uh, lose fat and get smaller then like Danny said if you do that initial kind of okay right we're going to do this first and then we can pursue fat loss healthily probably once you've dealt with the relationship with food and you've dealt with the overeating their body composition stabilizes and they go oh great cool I feel comfortable now and if they do still want to pursue fat loss that we've dealt with the food relationship that's actually underpinning that um and nine times out of ten once you've probably addressed what is going on they probably will feel more comfortable in their body because again if it was a loss of menstrual cycle for example again probably down to the hormones probably down to you know how they feel in their skin there you know all of these other things that once you've addressed that issue that will probably go away usually pursuing a fat loss goal if it isn't correct for somebody is a knee-jerk reaction to something else yeah yeah I think it, it a lot of it comes to getting buy-in doesn't it and the, often a good way to do that is to get people to reflect on what they've done previously and why that hasn't worked and then if you're like hey we're going to take a different approach this time where we actually set you up as you said set you up for successful fat loss as you were talking I was thinking you know you said most people wouldn't say that they don't prioritize their health but when you think about again it comes back to like what are your values what are your actions so many people's actions aren't in line with their health whether that is dieting when they've lost their menstrual cycle, like smoking, overeating, not exercising, like all these things that we know aren't good for our long-term health. And then it's like the psychology of that's quite interesting because you wouldn't say that you don't care about your health, but it's often because you can't see it in the immediate, right? You're like, I've lost my menstrual cycle, feel fine about it, don't really care. It's quite nice not having a period, right? And not thinking what's the long-term impact. But then when you think to the future, I'm coming back to a point, by the way, when you think like you can't like if if you were like, oh, you at 60 will regret this. I'd be like, cool. Like genuinely in my head, I can't even imagine 60. I'm like, I can't imagine that at all. But this is something that really got me this week. I saw, you know, you normally see on like TikTok or something. It'll be someone going up to an old person. They might be like 80 and they're like, what do you regret in your life? And it's like, oh, I didn't spend time doing this. I worry too much about that, blah, blah. And it hits, right? But it doesn't, like, I didn't realize that it didn't hit that hard. So I was like, yeah, I get all this. Like, I kind of know this stuff. Do I live perfectly in line with that? No, absolutely not. But like, I I get it. I saw the other day, someone asking a 40-year-old what they regretted, what they would say to their 30-year-old self. And that hit, because I was like, wow, that's like, you know, me in eight years, what am I going to regret now? And it, again, it just proves the psychology that you do see your future self. If it's too far in the future, you see them as a stranger, you can't relate to them. Yeah. If it's like, shit, this person's only 40 and they're saying what they wish they'd done in their 30s. And it's like, that's me right now. And it's like so much more relatable. It brings me back to the point, And I've been listening to the Nudge podcast, which is amazing. But one of the things they talk about is how to convince people 
and that if you relate to someone first as in might be like I know exactly how you feel I was in exactly that position this is what we need to do I've worked with hundreds of clients in the same position like the reassurance and the relatability and knowing that you understand if you say that first people are much more likely to buy into things and it's such a small little change and most people probably do it without thinking about it but being like quite conscious and intentional with make sure you relate to that person before you try and change their mind because it is it's a bit of a negotiation that you're going into like you're trying to change their mind from one thing to another if you're just saying no fat loss is wrong like what you want is wrong let's do it this way it's like no actually I completely understand your mindset hey that you've been bombarded with diet culture your whole life like why wouldn't you feel that way but this is a better approach like trust me with this try me on this yeah and this is where what me and Danny do is so important right because we have been through what we are coaching people to do and we have come through it successfully and between us pretty much understand every issue that people could face so we can genuinely be like we genuinely understand how you feel and we have been through the fire and got through the fire and we get what the fire feels like and how hot it can feel and here we are on the other side, like flourishing in these areas. So that's, I think, why it works so well, because we, we've we literally been through it. Um, and I think what you said about not projecting too far in terms of, well, what, what were you, 60 cents? People are like, I don't give a shit. Like, I don't care. I want to live my life, you know? Um, and the overriding feeling of like, I want to feel good in my skin right now is most important. But I think that forward projection but also looking at other areas of like particularly with women that we work with with say their food relationships or the body image or all of this other stuff it's like okay if you're like a woman around you know in your 20s or in your 30s you know what is that preventing you from doing you know they're probably not something but not probably not having good sex because the libido is probably not great they're probably not feeling good in their skin to be able to just go out and enjoy themselves so actually what's it preventing you from doing right now not just well, if you continue to lose fat and, you know, diet throughout and not have your menstrual cycle, think about osteoporosis in later age. Like, yeah, that scares me now, but it didn't when I was competing. But yeah, and also at 25, most people don't know what osteoporosis is. They're yeah, like, yeah. I think it's also important to help people and it's really powerful to help people understand why they're doing what they're doing and why they're behaving the way that they are because it then clicks for them and they're like, oh, right, okay, I get it now. Um, and that can be really powerful understanding where a certain behavior stems from because it gets people to recognize it's not just the way that they are they're not broken they're not stuck they have the power to change so I think recognizing the root cause and why people behave the way that they do is really powerful as well um so yeah I think that's yeah. really so I was that thing the other day and it was that every single action that you take is to avoid pain and I yeah. was like well, I, don't, I don't know I was like what about things that I just do because I enjoy but it's like yeah but you're doing them because you desire them desire is pain right or you're doing it because you're bored or you're waiting you know like impatience is pain waiting is pain like and I was like shit yeah so and exactly to your point like what pain are you trying to avoid by like pursuing fat loss and sometimes that pain is legitimate right but other but knowing that and even if I think that is the right goal, actually coming back to okay, like what pain am I trying to avoid? Is it the pain of discomfort because I'm very overweight? Is it the pain of like not being able to fit into certain clothes that I used to fit into? Is it the pain of like not feeling comfortable in my body? Or, you know, like what, or is it actually something else that maybe 
you could, I don't know, rectify in a different way, but figuring out what that motivation is before you start. And the easy option often keeps you stuck. Like it's not always easy doing what's good for you. Um, and it often, oh, you know, down to any goal, doesn't it? It's not. <laughs> Sometimes, I mean, very often we have to push through discomfort to get where we want to be for our greater good. Um, and as humans in nature, we're quite lazy, let's be honest. So a lot of the time we're going to want to take the easy option, but it's the more difficult option that is actually going to get get us to where we want to be mm-hmm. or where we need to be. And then recognising that the, the difficult option, the pain, the pain sounds really dramatic, but the uncomfortableness mm-hmm. <laughs> is transient. It's not going to last forever. Um, you know, like when you think about relationship with food and people feel like they're going to constantly overeat and gain body fat forever exponentially and it actually them trusting that this is a transient process and again we've been there before we know what's going to happen we kind of know how this will play out like having that level of trust that like yeah it's going to be uncomfortable but it's not uncomfortable infinitely it's short-term discomfort for long-term comfort and gain right and if you think about anything in your life that you've been through it's come from a short period of discomfort and you've grown from it. Like it doesn't just come from nowhere. You have to, you have to get through that really to, to find that place. Yeah. I think anything worth having really requires hard work generally. That just, and that just looks different. Whatever yeah. the circumstance is like people be like, Oh, well, I'm working hard in the gym to keep my body small. Like, no, but the real, yeah, the real hard is, is not doing that. Right. Yeah. When you get to the point, easy. actually it's easier for me to go to the gym than to miss a gym session because of how shit I'd feel for the rest of the day. If I missed a gym session, actually the hard thing is to force yourself to have a rest day. Yeah. 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 It changes. Right. I want to get on to the flourishing society. So tell me, what is it? Why is it needed? Who is it for? So it's currently in the form of a free Facebook group, which anyone can join. And we essentially post loads of free information, support, help, value in there. People connect. However, we realise that people need more one-to-one time, more in-depth support, education, resources, exercises to work through to do the work more consistently. Um, So we decided to form a program slash, it's kind of a hybrid between group coaching and a course slash program where we will basically help people through the post-show process, the post-diet process, or help people who are coaches who want to better support their clients with issues such as their body image, relationship with food, physical health, including their hormone health, um if people feel lost after dieting or after coming away from an extreme sport dealing with that loss of identity um and so much more so yeah it started as like a free support group which has been going for a year now but like I said we realized people needed more in-depth support because there are so many prep coaches in the industry but the support for people after they've competed after the transformation after they've got a trophy it's just non-existent and people are being neglected and often you don't see people go through the journey away from bodybuilding because they will document their journey on instagram when they're going through a contest prep when it looks glamorous when it's getting loads of validation and then once that show is over and they're really struggling post-show and they're struggling to find themselves after bodybuilding they don't know who they are 
they come off of Instagram. So you don't see that. And there's no support for these people. So me and Charlie have obviously been through this process ourselves. We've also helped so many clients go through this process in a professional setting. So we can empathize with what it feels like to go through it but we're out the other end of it. So we're not going to project those issues onto clients. And um, we've also taken a lot of clients through it in a professional setting and we have the the knowledge and experience to take people through that. So um, yeah, we, we basically just wanted to provide support where there isn't any and help people through a process, which at the end of the day is 10 times more difficult than a contest prep. So the fact that there's no support for it is just ridiculous. Um, and we want to help coaches better support their clients go through that process as well. And I think to kind of piggyback on the back of, you know, there isn't very much support at all. And in fact, it goes one step further that, that the support is often misplaced, particularly in the bodybuilding industry, that um, people will still think that coaches, yeah, prep coaches are the correct people to support them through that process and actually that can be even more problematic because it's preventing people from getting the actual support that they need it's probably not an off season and just put some weight back on um it's a lot more in depth than that and there's a lot more going on so there needed to be something that is specifically designed to target the issues that you would face coming out of an extreme diet and like danny said you know supporting coaches with these things because ultimately yeah, we talk about bodybuilding, but bodybuilding has set the precedence for a lot of online coaching in regard yeah. to the way that people coach in any really type of physique-based coaching process has come from the model of the bodybuilding coach somewhere down the line, the meal plans, the macros, the strict inflexibility, and therefore the issues that their clients are going through out of the other side are often similar. Um, so, you know, losing a menstrual cycle when they do an extreme fat loss phase, um, like we say, the loss of identity because they've become the fitness one and the one that, you know, does, you know, th these diets and things and um, their relationship with food and body image. All of these issues are similar because the processes that coaches are applying are similar to bodybuilding as well. So I think it's important that if you're a coach um, and you are supporting clients with any type of you know a photo shoot transformations anything or you just want to improve help to improve their relationship with food body image and their overall health and understand the implications of doing these things on their wider health it's it's really really important that we have that support as well um to kind and of not cause harm right because dieting yeah. can cause harm and i guess that's the biggest thing is like how do you navigate that in a in a positive way and it, it's a really interesting observation that it's all come from I guess similar to bodybuilding or at least like a very prescriptive way of dieting and that's because it's easy online like you know it is and even if you look at like the difference between giving someone calorie targets or actually looking at what they eat and making adjustments what do you think takes you 10 times as long actually looking at what someone eats and making the adjustments which is why a lot of people will just be like well here's a calorie target right like you can do that on mass you can do that very quickly Whereas, so I can see why most online coaches sway towards that side. Whereas like there are other approaches that don't require tracking calories, but a lot of coaches don't know how to do that in an online setting or how to do all of the other things like look at body image and relationship food and like see where these red flags are and how you might support those people. So I think it's very needed. I'm very excited that you have created this and I'm excited to see where it goes. Where can people find out more about that? So the actual programme itself is called Thrive in Five. Um, and 
we're actually launching this Monday um, and we have a few spaces left on there. So if they want to find out a little bit more about Thrive and Five, they can head to either myself or Danny's Instagram or the Flourishing Society Instagram page. The link in our bio will take you to all of the information you need about Thrive and Five, um, full course information. And there's a link to sign up there as well. And obviously, if anybody wants to ask us any questions on it or unpick it a little bit more, feel free to message myself or Danny um, on Instagram. So I'm Charlie P. Fit on Instagram. Danny is Danny Bosworth. And we are happy to answer any questions that you've got. Um, wanting to make sure it's applicable to your clients, all of that. Um, yeah, and we're here to, to help. I will put all of these links in the show notes so that people can find you and thank you so much for your time is there anything else you want to say before we end just thank you so much emma and thank you for anyone who took the time to listen great okay yeah yeah, let us know if you did listen and what your thoughts are i know we covered quite a lot of um hot topics so yeah share tag us let us know what you think and if you know anyone that might benefit from listening to this as well make sure that you send them it